It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando magic, part of the locked on podcast network, your team, Every day, yeah, no, um, he's really excited. Um, he he's he's thrilled to be uh, part of the magic, and I'm um, looking forward to getting out of here and starting his journey with our team. Um, obviously, uh, you know he's he's dealt with a lot, and I think he's looking at this as a fresh start, and uh, he's really excited about it. Orlando Magic president of basketball operations Jeff Weltman starting us off here on another episode of Locked On Magic. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Today is February 8th, 2019. A day, the first day of the rest of your life. Uh, and the first day and the rest of the career for one Markel Fultz. And one being an operative number, the former t- overall top pick of the 2017 NBA Draft. The consensus top pick of the 2017 NBA Draft. Now a member of the Orlando Magic. The NBA trade deadline coming and going Thursday with Orlando making a major move to acquire Markel Fultz. We'll talk about that coming up on today's episode of Locked On Magic. 
talk maybe a little bit about some of the other deals that did or didn't happen, what's in the future for the Orlando Magic, and oh yeah, the Magic played a game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, defeating them 122-112. to 112. All that and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Magic. But before we go any further, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked on Podcast Network. It was a very busy NBA trade, trade deadline day. Well, lots of trades, obviously, the couple days beforehand, but also the big deal, Marcus Gasol going from the Memphis Grizzlies to the Toronto Raptors. Um, just a lot of player movement overall, a really surprising amount of player movement. Uh, the Gasol deal being the biggest one to take place on deadline day, but of course, Tobias Harris was moved, Otto Porter was moved, Jabari Parker was moved in that Otto Porter deal, Harrison Barnes was moved. Lots of movement going on around the league as a, a lot of things shifted, including here in Orlando. We'll talk about that deal coming up, but you could get caught up on all the deals that were made on Locked On NBA. It is the national perspective on the big stories around the NBA, where they talk to local get local hosts like me who chat about these things. I'm not on Locked On NBA. I was on the NBA trade deadline special, though, so definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. Uh, but you get a sense of what's going on nationally on Locked On NBA. If you're looking to figure out what the Sixers are going to do with Jonathan Simmons or their thoughts on the Markel Fultz trade, I know I'm interested in it. Check out Locked On Sixers. They'll they'll cover it from the Sixers' perspective. It's a Locked On podcast covering every team in the NBA, and there's a Locked On podcast for you covering your favorite NFL team, MLB team, and college too, or most most of them at least. You can check them all out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search for iTunes, Locked On, and the team you are looking for. It's a Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. As I said, I personally went into this trade deadline not expecting to see a lot of movement from the Magic. Yes, the Magic had some big questions to answer, had some issues they had to try to resolve. Um, they had some things that they had to take care of, and including Nikola Vucevic, including Terrence Ross, upcoming unrestricted free agents. But as I said, I really felt like the goal for the Magic was to get just to find a deal that would impact the long-term outlook of the team, bring in a long-term asset for the team, while not hurting the short-term prospects of making the playoffs. Well, even though the Magic were four games out of the playoffs, they weren't going to be interested in taking a step back and 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 losing, and, and you know, without actually losing games. They weren't looking to make their current roster worse. And I, I felt like that made it difficult to do a deal for the two most tradable assets the Magic had in Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross. I think I sat here on several instances and said, I think there's a framework for a deal for Jonathan Simmons and that OKC first round pick to try and get a player like Frank Milikina from the Knicks. Frank Milikina ended up not getting moved because Orlando went out and got the bigger fish. They went out and got Markel Fultz. The Philadelphia 76ers and Orlando Magic agreed to a trade. It was, it was reported just uh, about 15 minutes before the trade deadline came up at three. The Orlando Magic traded Jonathan Simmons the 2020 Oklahoma City first-round pick, it's top 20 protected, plus the 2019 Cleveland Cavalier pick swap rights that they had, which will probably end up being Cleveland's pick in the high 30, in the in the early 30s in this year's draft, for Markel Fultz. It's easy to let your imagination run wild with this, of course. It's, it's easy to, to kind of sit there and do that because this is a huge move. Regardless of what you think of of Markel of Markel Fultz, it's undoubted the talent and potential that he has. This is a guy who was 
the top overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft, a draft that featured Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, and Donovan Mitchell among guards. Jonathan Isaac going sixth in that draft. Laurie Markkinen going in that draft. It was a loaded draft class, and Markel Fultz was honestly the number one pick in that draft. No doubt. Pretty, I would, I would assume all 30 teams believe Fultz was the number one pick in the draft, except for maybe the Celtics who traded down to three to take their guy and Jason Tatum. But most draft pundits and everyone had Fultz going number one. And so this is a big get in that sense because this is not a play to improve the team immediately, and I'll explain why in just a moment. This was a play to bring in a super talented player who just, for reasons because of injuries and because of fit, did not work out with the team that drafted him and needed a change of scenery to get his chance. The Sixers just were not the right environment for him for a number of reasons. Their offensive style doesn't quite fit what Fultz wants to do. He's an okay shooter from the outside, but not a great shooter from the outside. And needing to put the ball in Ben Simmons' hands took it out of Markel Fultz's hands. Markel Fultz needs the ball in his hands to succeed. He is a ball-dominant point guard. He's not a shooting guard. He's not an off guard. And so uh, you take a lot of things that just did not work in Philadelphia for this kid, and he certainly deserves a new chance. In that sense, this was a no-brainer for the Orlando Magic, for President of Basketball Operations, Jeff Weltman. This is a, you know, Weltman wouldn't describe it as a a high-risk move or a low-risk move certainly said it was a high-reward move. Because if Fultz hits, if Fultz does become the player that everyone believed he could be when he was drafted, the Magic essentially traded a late first-round pick that they probably weren't going to use, an early second-round pick, which who knows what that could be. Not likely to be anything. And a player who'd fallen out of the rotation and probably was going to get cut this summer anyway. For a guy that's potentially a a superstar player. And you could tell how excited the Magic were that they got their man at this trade deadline. Um, I think that uh, Markel's ceiling is, um, well, put it this way, he was the number one pick in the draft. And so I think his ceiling is exceptionally high. Um, I think that uh, he's a 20-year-old player with tremendous potential and um, I feel confident in saying that I feel the league looks at him that way as well not just us so that potential is still there this is a guy who at Washington in his only year averaged 23.2 points per game 5.9 rebounds per game 5.7 assists per game with a 53.5% effective field goal percentage while being the high usage only player that mattered on those Washington teams they didn't make the NCAA tournament which may or may not be a sticking point. I remember watching him in college and thinking this guy's clearly the number one pick because he had that something that he could just score whenever he wanted to. He was better than everyone on the floor. He was great at setting up and creating his own shot. He could pass and dish to anyone around him and those Washington, that Washington team didn't have very much around him. So the potential is all clearly still there. You don't just lose that. 
But there's a reason Philadelphia was looking to move on. There's a reason why Philadelphia, even though they moved up to get the number one pick that year to take Markel Fultz, it didn't work out. And it's a combination of a lot of things. It was a combination of the fit with the Sixers, but more immediately, it was the injury that hurt him. It was the injury, the shoulder injury that he suffered toward the end of his time at Washington that carried over into Summer League and into his first season with the Sixers that caused him to miss most of that first season. It's the shoulder injury that was later diagnosed as a nerve issue, as thoracic outlet syndrome. It's a nerve condition that affects the neck and shoulder that stunted his shooting growth. And, and so while the Sixers thought there's the shooting problems were, were kind of mind over matter and, and tried to remake his form, it wasn't. It was a medical issue that Fultz is working to improve on. Fultz hasn't played since the beginning of the season. So Orlando is taking on a little bit of a risk. It's unclear if Fultz will be able to play this year. It's unclear when he'll be able to play. It's unclear if he can get back to the level that everyone expected him to get at. It's, it's unclear if he can even be a rotation player at this point. The odds are that he can. He's young. It, it, this is something that it seems like he can recover from. And the Magic wouldn't have taken him on if they didn't think he could get there. But that's the risk. That's why he was on the market. So the next question is, when do the Magic get to see him? And when they get to see him, what kind of player is he going to be? What can he contribute to the team? Like I said, this is a long-range play. This isn't about this year. It wouldn't surprise me if Fultz doesn't play this year. And certainly Jeff Weltman seems seem to leave it open that they're not going to rush him back into action anytime soon. Well... Uh, you know, as far as him fitting in here, you know, we always say we, 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 we try to bring in not just the player, but the person. And uh, all the background work that we did on Markel prior to the draft, uh, in, in the days leading up to today, um, have just uh, informed us that he's uh, an exceptional young guy. You know, he's, he's, he's team-oriented, he's coachable, he's a hard worker, he's a competitor, he's kind of got all the ingredients that, that you're looking for. Um, as to the timetable, uh, you guys have heard me say this uh, to the point where you know you probably don't want to hear me say it again, but I will anyway. We're going to do it right. We are not going to do it fast. And you know, um, I think that there's kind of like a, almost like a quirky alignment with Markel's journey and ours, where um, I would apply that directly to him. Um, you know, we look forward to getting him in here, getting our arms around him, understanding everything that he's dealing with, and. Um, uh, uh, getting him through that. It's our job organizationally from the performance directors to the coaches to all of us to put him in a position to succeed. And however long that takes, that's how long it'll take. Important to note here in the press release that the Magic sent out announcing the trade, Jeff Waltman was quoted there saying, the Magic look forward to supporting Barkel Fultz to come back on his time. Like Weltman said there, as he said numerous times, as he referenced, they're going to do this right. They're not going to do it fast. And so 
when they get their chance to meet with Markel Fultz face-to-face and examine where he's at in his recovery, they'll make a determination what the best course forward is. Like I said, I am somewhat skeptical the Magic will let, will play Fultz this year. It certainly could happen. I could be completely wrong. Um, you know, there, No one really knows what stage Fultz is at. And the Magic don't seem to be in a rush to get him on the court. They want to do it when it's right. They don't want to push him. They don't want to make him lose confidence. They want to give him the support to get healthy first and then play. Because when they know that he's playing and playing with confidence, essentially what will be his rookie season. If you think that's been fun watching Jonathan Isaac go through a rookie season after a redshirt year, Markel Fultz has had two redshirt years. But they want to put him in a position to succeed and, and give him every opportunity to succeed. It's not clear when he will play. It's not clear when he'll be back. I'd imagine it would be before the beginning of next season. But I don't know. I'm not familiar with the injury and, and, and exactly what goes into recovery. It does seem like Fultz is making progress, but no one's really seen or heard from him much. He was back with the team in January, I want to say, in Philadelphia. But otherwise, he's been rehabbing on his own, seeing his own specialists. It's certainly uh, certainly the Magic want to build trust because I think uh, I think a big issue that, that Philadelphia had with Fultz is they lost trust with each other. And that's ultimately why the relationship didn't work. Undoubtedly, though, Orlando is getting a big potential player. Orlando has, it's been no secret Orlando has been searching for a point guard. It's been no secret Orlando has looked for a scorer, a shot maker, a shot creator. And in doing this deal, the Magic may have found one. Orlando gave up minimal assets. Again, a player they were probably going to cut this summer who is out of the rotation. A draft pick that was going to end up in the the 20s. Probably not even convey. And then a second round pick for a guy that is dripping with potential. Looking for an opportunity and just looking to be healthy again. No one really knows what Markel Fultz can still be. And it would be unfair to judge him on the same scale that you might judge the people he was drafted ahead ahead of. He's going to be on a different development curve. Tatum will be better for a while, while, at the very least. Mitchell will be better. Even Jonathan Isaac will probably be a little bit better. But again, it's about developing the player at his pace. Giving him chances to succeed. Giving him chances to learn and grow and get better on the floor. In productive, constructive ways. Fultz fills a need. Orlando may have found that point guard of the future they've been hunting for. They may have. But that's the exact risk the Magic needed to take. Whether Fultz works out or not, this is the kind of play they needed to make. Go after a young player that you can develop and grow with your young team. Have him learn from a veteran like DJ Augustine on a team that is fighting for something. Not a championship, maybe, but fighting for something meaningful. Playoffs are meaningful. The Magic are playing for something. And you hope that even if Orlando doesn't make the playoffs this year, they they continue to find players who can support and help this team continue to compete so they're playing meaningful games again next year. And then perpetually one day making the playoffs and then making it every year thereafter. 
It's a long process. It's not always instantaneous, but if Fultz is the player that everyone thought he could be at the draft, maybe that timeline speeds up. That's part of the gamble the Magic made. And the reality is, they didn't give up much to make this gamble. If it works out, great. If it works out, it's it, it, it could be franchise-changing. If it doesn't work out, they got two more years at about $18 million owed to Fultz. And then they can make a decision whether to move on or not. The Magic's goal at the trade deadline, like I said, was to get a player who would be part of the team's long-term future without sacrificing any short-term assets so that they could remain competitive and stay in the playoff hunt. Orlando accomplished that goal. I think this was a really good deal. The absolute right kind of risk for the Magic to take. The absolute right chance for the Magic to take. And you can tell by how excited Magic fans that I've talked to are about this. There's some Sixers fans who are who think that his problem is attitude. Maybe it is a little bit. I don't know if he handled it completely correctly, but I think at the same time, when the team's doctors are telling you something, then your personal doctors, a player should stand up for himself and say, no, I'm trusting my doctors. This is my career and my body. And I think the Sixers didn't respect that enough or didn't respect what Fultz was was telling them about his body. So I think that's a little bit of a two-way street. We'll find out, of course. Uh, Again, Weltman seemed to speak very highly of his character. But the Magic did good on trade deadline night. The Magic did very good setting themselves up for the future. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery. Plus. In addition to the trade deadline, of course, the Orlando Magic played against the Minnesota Timberwolves in what was a pretty, sometimes fun game. Um, it was a pretty great, good performance for Orlando, at least on the offensive end. Um, the Magic defeating the Minnesota Timberwolves 122-112, to 112, shooting 54.2% from the floor, making 11 of 26 three-pointers, getting the line for 23 free-throw attempts doing a lot of the things the Magic need to do to win basketball games. They move the ball effectively. They attack the paint. They really beat a Minnesota team that was just was not really dialed in defensively. And the game became a little bit of a shootout, which is not the way the Magic are going to win most nights, but that's how the Magic have been playing lately. They scored 71 points in the first half, beating their previous best, which was 69 against Oklahoma City. Um, but Orlando 
played really smoothly offensively all night long, and they got the stops that they needed when they needed them. They strung together enough stops, particularly really in the third and fourth, third quarter, but they strung together enough stops and, and, and played decently defensively. They just gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. I mean, it's still little things with this Magic team, I, I really have to say. It's really still about finishing defensive possessions. That's, that's just a huge thing for this Magic squad right now is sometimes they don't finish the possession. They foul like they did Tuesday night. On Thursday night, they gave up offensive rebounds. But that was not enough for Minnesota because Minnesota couldn't get a stop. If Minnesota had played defense for a little bit, they might have come back and made this a game. But Orlando was the one that was more willing to play defense and more willing to do kind of the grimy work uh, to to win the game. Um, uh, there, There was a big play there. Orlando was up by seven, I believe, in the fourth quarter. It looked like Minnesota was coming back. Evan Fournier turned the ball over at midcourt, and Andrew Wiggins looked like he had a breakaway dunk, but Terrence Ross got there. It wasn't recorded as an official block. They, they said that Ross never touched the ball, but he spooked Wiggins enough that he missed the layup, missed the dunk. Uh, the ball went out of bounds, and Orlando was able to get a stop on the following possession and then hit a three from, Ter- from Terrence Ross to go up by, go up by double digits again and pretty much end the game. Um, those are the little plays you need to make, and Orlando made them in this game. Um, Steve Clifford, I thought, said it really well after the game as well. Game two. The Magic are playing really well right now. They are. I I, I don't think you can argue that. Um, I think, I think you know, they've won three of their last four games now, um, which is a small sample, so I'm not going to go crazy over that. But generally, you look at the games the Magic have won lately, they are playing well. They're doing a lot of really good things. They're maybe doing two or three things, if, if that, that are hurting them at key moments. Against Oklahoma City, uh, the first time, it was not getting back on defense. It was just kind of giving into frustration over the fouling. Uh, Tuesday night against Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City, it was the fouling itself. Uh, they just committed too many fouls where they played good defense and then reached and got, got beat by superstar players. This game, what almost derailed them was offensive rebounding. Minnesota has 16 offensive rebounds that lead to 26 second chance points. Minnesota with 56 points in the paint. Those are the kind of things that do derail teams. Those are the kind of things that hurt teams in big moments. And the Magic are still, I think, getting that consistency down. They're still getting that what we need to do to win games thing down. And, and that's a big thing to say in February. I completely agree. It's something the Magic should have figured out. But they played the right way enough in this game to get a win, to get a really nice win, I have to say. I mean, I think that it was hardly perfect. I don't think it was the, the cleanest game. I'd, I'd give it, if, if I were giving the Magic a full team grade, I'd probably give them a B plus. Uh, and B plus Magic games don't typically end up in wins. You know, the Magic do have to play well. Their margin for error is still small because uh, they don't have that shot maker, especially at the end of games that, you know, that, that, we're ta- that I talked about a little bit earlier. But Orlando did the job here. Again, great shooting performance, great ball movement, and and that's what the Magic needed most. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. 
And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I want to run through the box score real fast here before we wrap up. Um, The big performance, of course, Terrence Ross, 32 points, 13 for 23 shooting, 6 for 13 from beyond the arc. Um, it just got to a point where the Magic put him in the game, just let him go, and he was just making shots. I mean, he, he gets up so quickly. This is what Ross does. And the fact that this is just his third career 30-point game feels insane because at least in the role the Magic have given him, he's getting a, a ton of shots, he's taking a ton of shots, he's willing to take those shots, and he's making them. When he gets on a roll, there's just nothing a defense can do because he runs off those screens so incredibly well. He's really smart about finding space and recognizing when this space is going to be there to get a shot off, and he doesn't need much because he rises up so quickly. Ross has been really impressive all year. He's in a really good stretch right now. Um, I think he's scored 15 or more points in six of the last seven games, and obviously Orlando needs that boost. Their offense playing really, really well, and Ross is a big reason why. 32 points again, season high for Ross, second most he's ever scored in his career. He had, of course, a 50-point game in 2014. But a really great effort from Ross, and, and it, it, percolate, it's, it trickled down to the rest of the team because when you're able to make shots, when you have a shot maker and a threat like that, it tears the defense up a little bit. But Orlando was beating this Minnesota defense all night long. They shot better than 60% in the first half. So this wasn't a single-man effort. Terrence Ross took advantage of the defense. Nikola Vucevic took advantage of the defense. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 9 for 16 shooting, 2 block shots. Aaron Gordon took advantage of the defense once he figured out how best to attack Taj Gibson. 19 points, 5 for 13 shooting, 8 for 8 from the foul line, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Again, Gordon, I think Gordon, especially early in games, tries to find his fit and find what will work for him, and sometimes it takes him a while to figure that out, and so he'll miss a couple shots early on or take some ill-advised shots early on just to kind of figure out what kind of rhythms he's in. And then once he figures that out, once he figures out a formula to score, uh, once he figures out, you know, whether he can rely on his offense or not, he'll get others involved and, and he'll make the right play. And so, you know, I think Gordon, th- there's still a lot of growth to go with Gordon. But again, I, I just continue to be really impressed with his play. I, I just want to make that clear. Um, I, I think that while I think there was expectations that he'd do other things, he's doing things that we didn't anticipate a whole lot better that have made the magic a whole lot better. Evan Fournier adds 18 points, 8 for 13 shooting. Really nice shooting game for Evan Fournier. It, it feels like he's slowly coming out of that slump that that he's been in and out of all year long. He's obviously shooting well below his averages, uh, well below what the expectations are. But Fournier, I thought, did a good job picking his spots when to attack, shooting selectively, making open shots, or dri- driving to get himself open rather than driving too deep into the paint or trying to get all the way to the basket sometimes. Um, Fournier, I thought, just played a really, really smart offensive game. I got to give special credit to Jonathan Isaac. He scored only nine points, six rebounds, three block shots, three for six shooting, made his only three, made his only free throws, made his two free throws. But um, Isaac got a weird draw in this game. They put Aaron Gordon on Andrew Wiggins, but they and then they put Jonathan Isaac on Carl Anthony Towns, which I thought was an interesting move. I actually liked that decision from Steve Clifford because Taj Gibson's going to camp a little bit closer to the basket. So you had Nikola Vucevic, guarding the basket and defending the lane a little bit more, which I think he generally did a good job of. You know, I, I, I think 
when Vucevic plays good defense now, it isn't so much of a surprise. He made some nice blocks. He uses his hands really well. He's, he's really good uh, at that part about corralling. And and, and if he's a, and sometimes he's still a little bit late. You still see some of those bad habits, but they're, 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 they become less. And, and I think Vucevic is a reliable defender now. Isaac, though, guarding Carl Anthony Towns because Towns would be on the perimeter a little bit, created that mismatch where Towns was on the block. And Towns had a really nice game, 27 points, 12 for 16 shooting, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. So I'm not saying Isaac did a a, a good job, but I'm not going to say he did a bad job either because I think Isaac did a really nice job holding his own. He stood his ground. You know, Towns was able to move him around a little bit when he got in the post. But Isaac, I thought, did a good job defending shots. He had three blocked shots. A lot of them came against Towns. Towns only missed four shots, and I would venture to guess Two of those misses were Isaac blocks. Now, those blocks went right back to Towns, and because Isaac's kind of small, Towns had, you know, kind of, by the force of his shot, had moved him out of the way, so that kind of set up that, that set up the putback. Uh, but Isaac fought all night long, uh, and, and I don't, and, and while I don't think he was 100% successful because Towns still had a really good night, I do think that it was a good sign for him. You know, obviously we know Isaac needs to put on muscle. He needs to do this, that, and the other thing. Um, but to see him fight against a mismatch, against a tough assignment all night long, come out on the be- on the better end on numerous occasions, you know, the, the shots that Towns didn't make, I don't think they were completely on Isaac all the time. You know, I, I think Isaac deserves some credit for that. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I, I've been really impressed with how he's played over this last stretch. I know I've, I've called for on OrlandoMagicDaily.com for Isaac to get more touches, to get more trust, especially on the defensive end, where I think he's he's really grown a lot. Um, I I I just want, I had to mention that because I loved the way Jonathan Isaac played in this game. Um, you know, it, it wasn't always effective results wise, but the process was good. The things that you're seeing from him, the things that you're seeing from a lot of players right now, are good. Um, it's just tightening up the details. It's it's always been the issue with this team the whole year. It's attention to detail tightening up the little things, those things that, you know, don't seem like they're big, but are instrumental to winning and losing. And, and I think that's, again, been, been the big struggle for the Magic throughout the season as they've they've tried to win games and tried to compete here in the Eastern Conference playoff race. Minnesota also got 23 points from Andrew Wiggins, but Orlando did a good job on him. 10 for 28 shooting, 9 rebounds for him. Um, I thought Orlando was really good against Andrew Wiggins. If he's going to need 28 shots to score 23 points, you're doing a good job. So, I like that. Minnesota shoots 46.5% from the floor. 10 for 26 from beyond the arc. Again, 16 offensive rebounds, leading to 26 second chance points. That was the big thing keeping Minnesota in the game. But Orlando had control of this one pretty much throughout the night. Uh, 71 to 58 at the half. So they led by 13 at halftime. They maintained that double-digit lead for most of the second half, leading by as much as 20. Minnesota did get it down to, to eight, seven or eight. It, late in the fourth quarter, but the Magic made the plays. They got the stops that they needed to win the game, and Orlando defeated Minnesota 122-112. to 112. Orlando now 23-32 and 32 on the year, three and a half games back of the final playoff spot. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twi- find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including our analysis of the Markel Fultz trade, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. 
That's going to do it for me today. Again, the Orlando Magic defeat the the Minnesota Timberwolves 122-112 to at the Amway Center. Orlando begins a three-game road trip as they get as they begin counting down to the All-Star break next week. Nikola Vucevic, of course, drafted to Team Giannis. So we get to say Team Giannis. That's fun. Um, where he'll get to play with his hero, Dirk Nowitzki, which I'd love to play with Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki's my hero, too. I wish to be as cool as Dirk Nowitzki. But that's neither here nor there. The Orlando Magic begin a three-game road trip. They'll start Saturday night at 9 o'clock in Milwaukee against the Milwaukee Bucks. Then they'll travel to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Hawks on Sunday in a very difficult back-to-back. Then I believe Tuesday they play at New Orleans. Thursday they'll finish up their pre-All-Star break uh, schedule at home against those dastardly Charlotte Hornets. So we'll see all of that coming up here in the next week. A busy, busy week for the Orlando Magic as they get into the All-Star break, and I'm sure they would love to pick up some more wins, at least get maybe get, you know what, three, three wins in those four games if the Magic could somehow find a way to do that. I think they'd be in really good playoff positioning, positioning heading into the All-Star break. But that's neither here nor there. Let's worry about Saturday's game. Let's worry about Sunday's game. And we'll recap both of those on Monday's episode of Locked on Magic. But for now, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.